Algar Productions. Algar Productions. You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 237, covering Parallax and Time and Again, with Mark Bosco. Hi, friends. It's week two of Voyager time. I was wondering if you were just going to start the episode with, ah. No, I'm still trying to keep a, not an open mind, but a a brave face. Bob's here to help us, so. Hello. I I also have the brave face, just like Chakotay. Your brave face is fine. Let me see your war face. Is that is that racist? Probably. And then I turned into a bird. Ah. Can't you just turn into a bird or something and <laughs> that we can squeeze Kanar out of you? You want to talk about stuff nev- that we can never forget, man. Wesley killed the guy and Paris thinks Chakotay can turn into a bird. I mean, that was only week one and this is only week two. It c- he could top that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It could be worse. Who knows? Well, if it gets worse, we'll have something to bump, uh, to bump that down, but... Uh, yeah, for, for now, now, that's yeah, that's the standard. Can't you turn into a bird or something? Now I just want to see, like, you know, Voyager's bridge with, like, a giant seagull wearing a Starfleet uniform with a tattoo on his face, <laughs> giving orders. <laughs> what do you think, Chakotay? No, I think Chakotay's face tattoo is vaguely bird-like, so would the bird's tattoo be a little more humanish? Yeah, it'd be like a, it'd be like a, like a native version of, like, a human. Right. Because mm. I think it's not exactly like a bird, but it looks sort of like an Aztec, you know, sort of stylized bird yeah. kind of thing. Like angly sort of wing looking thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, your angle wings. So so it'd be a bird with like a stylized hand on his face. Right. <laughs> now you're just making me think I want to see a, a spaceship with a seagull ducat on it. He's <laughs> <laughs> just staring down at uh, Bajor going, mine? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> So this week, we had two episodes that both deal with repeating time in some way. Yeah, man, Mm. why is is time so broken in the Delta Quadrant? Are they not taking good care of it? It's fractured in some way, or is that what they said? Yeah, both episodes, they say there's fractures in time. Although, reading Memory Alpha, Brandon Braga said, yeah, I don't know, we came up with the drama stuff first, and then we said time anomaly, whatever, it doesn't matter. Like, he actually said that. (laughs) Brennan Brennan Braga's quote, I don't give a shit. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. I just wanted people to yell at each other. I don't really care about the rest. And yeah. the thing is, we've we've actually said that. Like, the sci-fi stuff you can ignore if it's good character stuff. But yeah. is it good character stuff? Well, that is the question. And the answer mm. is no. No, it is not. <laughs> <laughs> Bob may disagree. I don't know. Bob, like, just, just overall impression at this point of the two episodes. You you were not displeased? Uh, the the I was displeased with the first one. I was less displeased with the second one. Fair enough. High praise. Less displeased. <laughs> yeah, no, they're, they're, both of these had stuff I liked, but I mean, overwhelmingly dull. Well, there's there's this, and I'm going to be condescending here for a moment because it amuses me to be, mm. but there's this cute thing our <laughs> listeners do where they try to keep up with us. <laughs> now, there's a handful of listeners I'm thinking of specifically. Most of our listeners actually do apparently keep up with us, but huh. uh, Scott Zioko in particular and a couple other people are like, yeah, hey, I'm watching every episode with you. Yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll lose, like, halfway through season two they'll be like oh i got other stuff in my life i can't do this <laughs> but but there was some debate among people who are following along right now that uh 
pretty much across the board, everyone said episode three, which I assume counting the pilot as one mm. means uh, time and again and not parallax. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, episode three is terrible. It's just really, really bad. It really, really, really is. Uh, Brian, the frequent guest, Brian Lynch on our show said that. And some other people who are not coming immediately to mind said that. And then our friend Scott mm. Zioko said, no, no, I really like that one. So like, yeah, me too. There's some debate, apparently. I guess. So, yep. I don't know. Well, for the record, I really didn't like either of them. But <laughs> I definitely yeah. like Parallax better than uh, Time and Again. Hmm. Time and Time, the, time the, the Time well, Show with Time and McTime. Yeah, and then you got to repeat it over and over. And then yeah, the Enterprise it, exploded. Let, let's 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 talk about what actually happened before we go into specifics, because right now we're just talking general uh, impressions. All right. Perhaps you should tell us what happens in Parallax. Parallax? No, Parallax. <laughs> no, Parallax. The Green Lantern villain. I just assume that double L is like a Spanish thing, and you pronounce it like a Y. Parallax. Parallax. <laughs> yep. Well, well, sir. Things aren't going so well on Voyager. Bolana punches some jerk in the nose, and Chakotay is mad about it. I think he's mad anyway. I can't tell with this guy. The Vulcan's more emotional. Anyway, even though Chakotay is mad. Mostly about Bolana, but also about nobody pronouncing his name right still. He wants Bell promoted to chief engineer. Janeway isn't thrilled by the idea, and then there is actual, genuine conflict between the Maquis and Starfleet crews. I know! I was surprised, too! Some of the Maquis hint at mutiny, but Chakotay quashes that shit right quick. Wait, which side is he on again? Later, Voyager approaches the Singularity with a tiny, blurry ship trapped in it. They could probably have identified it, but, alas, they have had to eat the zoom function on the ship's camera to survive. (laughs) Anyway, they attempt to rescue it, but they can't, so they head for a neighboring star system for help, only to run smack dab into another Singularity. Guess that makes it a Dilarity. Actually, no, it's the same Singularity. I guess they're trapped in time or something. I don't know. I keep waiting for the Enterprise to explode. They discover that the blurry ship they're trying to rescue is actually Blurry Voyager, and the scratchy impossible to hear audio recording was actually Janeway's scratchy impossible to hear lovely singing voice. <laughs> it's like a reflection or something in space. Neelix bats madly at it, trying to steal the other ship's bone. <laughs> anyway, Bolana has some better ideas than the Starfleet engineer, so she and Janeway go on a road trip for some quick bonding. Blana opens up about her troubles at Starfleet Academy, and then Janeway tells her that she respects an officer who questions the captain's orders. So, five seconds later, when they have to pick which Voyager to return to, and Bolana questions the captain's orders, Janeway tells her to fuck right the fuck off. Anyway, Janeway picks the right one, and they escape the singularity and head away for repairs. Bolana is promoted to chief engineer and chief ceiling yeller, and Janeway and Chakotay look on like proud parents. Meanwhile, in sickbay, hilarity ensues. Boy, that's a that that's a very short way to cover some very painful attempted comedy. <laughs> uh, you are not wrong, my friend. It sure did ensue. In fact, why don't we launch into that right away? Since oh boy, well this is my bad. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> okay, and and Brandon Braga wrote this. This is the first one of his, and this is a name you've heard a lot over Next Gen, at least. Mostly with this with the sound. Ugh. Right before well, it, he, <laughs> he writes. He has a very distinctive writing style. He has a, a he writes a type of episode. That I don't particularly care for. Matt, I don't think you particularly care for. In fact, I think most of our regular guests, Bob, I don't know if you nah. know Braga specifically. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I, you sometimes will pay attention to the writer, but I think you look more at the directing and stuff like that, if I'm not mistaken. Right? Yeah. You, yeah, but I do notice Braga. And, it's. Mm, he's got all. his tra- he, He's yeah. got his trappings, and some people after like him. After a couple of episodes, it's very easy to figure out what a Brandon Braga episode is. And we right. say the same about Ron Moore. Mm-hmm. Like, he writes a lot of the military tradition stuff and stuff like that. And Braga likes, 
He loves a mystery with no real solution with a techno babble answer. Magic he's a bullshit. big fa- yeah. He's a yeah. big fan of just weirdness happening for no reason. Yeah, and in this case, it manifests as the Doctor, who is a hologram, mm-hmm. uh, shrinking. Only uh, it looks like, as Bob said, his his aspect ratio is being changed. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's like he's been squished or something almost. It's like Except- he's a widescreen hologram being projected on a square TV. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> or, but without letterboxing. <laughs> and something bad happens. And something, yeah. Oh, there's a lot of that, too. There's a <laughs> lot of trying to explain things with everyday metaphors that is just... Oh, man, torture. they get so into that whole cracking the ice thing at the end. Yeah. Everyone is very excited to talk about how they're cracking the ice. I guess yeah. they really like that game, Break Don't Break the Ice. I don't know that what, game. Oh. What is that? Oh, really? Is that like Mousetrap? No, it's... I, okay, so, you know, this would take, like, 20 minutes to explain. <laughs> I think it's a it's a '90s kid thing, so go to BuzzFeed and they'll probably tell. Yeah, yeah, that'll be fine. <laughs> While you're there, check out Ants in the Pants. <laughs> Ants. <laughs> Still funny. <laughs> anyway, the the thing is, and I give Braga crap, and I'm gonna be giving him a lot of crap as we go into this. I bet because it doesn't seem like he's learned any new tricks. Mm. Like this is a very Brandon Braga late next gen time anomaly episode, but. He sometimes writes decent comedy, decent little character moments, and I can see on paper that the Doctor thing is supposed to be funny. This isn't really his fault. It feels like, I I know Robert Picardo, I know who he is, I know he's kind of dignified, and doing something goofy to him is funny. Yeah. The guy with dignity being put in an undignified position is funny. Yeah. But... We learned that from The Simpsons. Well, yeah, exactly. But uh, it just doesn't, like, the effect that they do is so bad it, that it doesn't yeah. look like he's shrinking. It looks like they will like in the first scene where Kess re- realizes that it's happening. He's just crouching down or she's standing on a box or something. Yeah. <laughs> like you don't even see their legs. So it's clearly just a trick of where they're standing. Yeah. And mm-hmm. each time it just looks a little worse to the point where at the end, he looks like Dorf on golf. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's got shoes on his knees. That's, that's the best they could do. It just, that is not it? his knee. <laughs> it just it seems to me like it would be the easiest thing in the world to just film him on the green screen and then film a picture of a chair and then yeah tiny dude easy what? or that's what they did for the last shot i think with the dwarf shot yeah yeah i i don't know what that was i just i think the squishing him did not work because no and most of the time people are talking to him on a monitor so it just looks like the monitor screwed up yeah yeah no there's yeah, a scene where there's a scene a where janeway phones him and it's just like Something wrong with the aspect ratios here. No, I'm just very small. <laughs> and the thing is, I I really do think it could have been funny mm-hmm. if they'd done a little more with it. It feels like we, we talked about this last week. The pilot was apparently hugely expensive and it feels like they needed to do a bottle episode. They needed to do a cheap one. And so all they had to do was create an effect for the anomaly. And yep. that's it. Everything else is on existing sets. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so they didn't really, I guess, have the money. This is my guess. But it feels like they didn't have the money to do like a, a cool effect, or maybe CG wasn't to the point where they could have done something cool yet. Uh, I, don't know. I think they could have done something better, but it's probably a money thing. Yeah, it just it it was it was a wasted opportunity because I would have laughed if it had been done right, but yeah. it was just painful. <laughs> what was it you said before the episode? They should have just put him in a big chair like Edith Ann. <laughs> yeah, I think one of you said that, but then yeah, I I thought yeah, exactly that, like. <laughs> And that's the truth. <laughs> like, I could see him saying that. Yeah. <laughs> but totally deadpan the way Robert Picardo does. I'm shrinking, Captain. And that's yeah. the truth. <laughs> <laughs> 
And actually, I'm going to go into my good thing here because the bulk of what we have to talk about is the main plot. Yeah, so yeah. I kind of want to get the, the side stuff out of the way first so we can talk about you guys' good things and bad things and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Cass has a couple of really good scenes with the Doctor, and I still really like her. Yeah, I don't, I don't see what the problem here is. No, we have two uh, fairly close friends of the show, Nate, who's on Once a Season, and our friend Tidro, who's been, you know, listening and, and our friend for quite some time, both immediately said, oh, Cass, I hate her. And like, why? I don't know. I just do. Yeah. I really like her so far. Yeah, she's Me too. like, you know. The actor's she good. Se- she seems nice. Could- yeah. And she's the only one who affords the doctor the respect that he deserves. Yeah. Like, could you please turn off my program when you leave? Yeah, sure. No, like no, nobody else does. Yeah, yeah, no that that whole that whole scene where like they get into like she's asking about what his name is and he's like I don't have one. I yeah, wasn't supposed to be kept teases, running this long. She kind of teases out the sadness of him. Yeah, mm. like having someone hopeful treat him like a human makes him realize how not human he is. Yeah, and that that like you need somebody to make him have those realizations. Like I don't, I don't have a name. Nobody's even thought to ask me. Oh God. <laughs> no one's thought to, well, no one's thought to ask him and no one seems to talk. Like I, I kind of like, this is a running theme over these episodes so far. No one tells the doctor anything. Well, and I think it's because right now they treat him like a piece of software. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. like, well, we didn't turn the doctor on. So, I mean, like, I guess we won't tell. I, who cares? Yeah. He's not part of the senior staff. He's just a, you know, yeah, he's just a piece of software that looks like a person. It doesn't really matter. Yeah, but I, and I she I think the idea is that she's an outsider and she doesn't see it that way. She just, oh, this guy looks like all these other guys I met. So he must be another person. Yeah, exactly. Although the, he's, he keeps complaining about people not turning him off. And I think in the in the second episode, he's like, wait, I, there's all these things that I don't know about. It's like, I wonder if like they left him on all the time, if he would know about these things. And yes, he turned into Vic Fontaine. <laughs> oh god. Well, I mean that that's the joke that I made in the summary which I think you read because we kind of Oh, uh, for uh, caretaker, yeah. Yeah. Um just that he is sort of Moriarty and Vic Fontaine, but a different like iteration of that same idea. Mm. He's the self-aware hologram, but now it's more of a good character mm. instead of either a goofy entertainment thing or kind of a sinister thing. It's it's like, no, he's just part of the crew. Like, that's that's not a bad idea. I'm mm-hmm. fascinated by the idea of Starfleet making what they know to be self-aware holograms. Like, yeah. he com- like, he comes out of the box. Like, we're talking about the first time they switch him on, he comes out of the box being snarky and, like... You know, like, this isn't stuff he's learned. This is stuff he was, for want of a better word, born with. But there was and that episode of DS9, right? Isn't he, like, partly based on uh, Bashir and that I guess, other doctor? And I guess that's other... a part of it, but he's definitely... No, no, Bashir would have been in the next iteration, like, in the yeah. next version. Oh. Yeah, but he, he is got... based on Zimmerman, and he even says in one of these episodes he's based on, like, the medical experience of 200 doctors and the actual life experience of a handful of yeah. them. Yeah, mm. but, like, the idea that Starfleet's making people and just attaching them to their starships as equipment is really strange. It feels like and Bruce, Bruce Maddox or one of those guys who wanted to enslave Data basically said, well, that didn't work, but, ooh, now we have this piece of, like, this software code that makes them self-aware, so we can still have our slaves. Yeah, Picard wasn't around to defend him. Yeah, exactly, because they what they did was they took the Moriarty program, they chopped out the part of the code that made him aware, and mm-hmm. they just copied that into new, you know, new guys. Yeah, huh. so now there's, like, a live, like, just alive people in, pe- like, in But that's what I mean, they have, their, they have their army of datas now that they always wanted, mm-hmm. only they have them in holograms instead of in robots. 
think that's really interesting. It is like, really huh. interesting. That's that's yeah. weird. That, that's not what we really came here to talk about at all, but it is it is interesting. Like, also, one other quick note: they in I think in the books, I don't think this is canon, mm. but they mentioned that Bones was one of the guys. Oh um, yeah, who contributed to the uh, to the EMH? Well, that makes a lot of sense. Like it it was his I I think the idea was it was his idea to say. If we can't have a person in an emergency, let's at least simulate a person as close as we can because people need that human touch. Yeah. And that felt very Bones. Hmm. Well, and there's I- a couple of times, slight spoilers, where uh, the holographic doctor says, I'm a doctor, not a blank. And the idea is that, you know, Bones put that in there somewhere. I'm a doctor, not that guy from the first Star Trek. Right. <laughs> Okay, but that, I mean, that's pretty much it. These guys aren't actually in the plot all that much. It's mostly a uh, uh, Balana and Janeway yeah. story. And now we should get into that now. And uh, uh, we'll start with your good thing. You, you, you're, both your good things are very similar, but I think they're different aspects of the same thing. Mm. So, Bob, you you start. Oh, well, I, I really like the relationship between Janeway and Balana Torres here. Um, that uh, as a scientist, Janeway gets super excited about figuring things out. And mm. it's it's that it's she's kind of bouncing off, you know, Balana because it's like finally there's someone on the ship who's kind of her match and someone know, who can like keep up with finish, her. Yeah, they finish each other's uh sandwiches. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I agree. It's it the, the scene that you're talking about in particular is when they're in the conference room and like it's the standard Star Trek conference room thing and I'm not going to say they ripped off any of the other shows. I feel like every ship is like this mm-hmm. where people are throwing ideas out, but then these two people who are on the same wavelength are start throwing ideas back and forth at each other and the rest of the room is like what's going on here yeah. but they're both like this is so good yeah we could do this and then this yeah 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 and they both play it really cool yeah actually yeah. i would say and matt that was also your good thing well more yeah this, right? we like we talked about this in the first episode and i think this episode we figured out like janeway is also the, the science officer on yeah my Voyager. question was who is the science officer and it seems to be her yeah which mm. is actually very cool that's fine yeah but to two jobs i don't see why not yeah I, I really like the idea of a captain who is just fascinated by all this weirdness. It kind of goes back to Picard when, you know, they'd, they'd meet, like, a new weird civilization or something, and he'd get really Yeah, his excited. thing was archaeology, and, like, every time they found something, particularly something old, yeah, he was really into it. And, you know, Cisco's thing was more being a builder, but her thing is more science. And, I yeah, I like But, it. like, there's yeah. this scene where, like, the ship is in danger, and, like, you know, we've got to get... We've got to figure out what to do, or we're going to be stuck here forever. But... Janeway seems to be kind of having fun. Yeah, it's a puzzle. Yeah, and I really like that. Like, the the character who's just like, all this weird crap's going on. Let's see if we can figure this out. And also, whenever you have a science officer and an engineer Mm -hmm. sort of comparing notes, sort of like, okay, well, here's the theoretical part of it. Now, here's the practical, how we can actually make that work. Yeah. And, -hmm. like, we got a bit of that with Jordy and Data from time to time. Mm -hmm. But, But here, it's, I don't know, it's a different thing, and I really like it. And... There's a point where, and I still hate Tom Paris, but that's more because he's so smarmy and terrible. Mm. But I do feel like, like they say here, he's a hotshot pilot, and I believe that, and I believe he's kind of that character type of the pilot who's kind of dumb about everything else. Yeah. And there's a point where either Janeway or Bellana, I don't remember which, they're they're having their whole little conversation, and he tries to chime in, and they're like, "Shh, honey, no." Yeah. <laughs> the grownups are talking. Yeah. We're talking science. If we need to fly at something and shoot it we'll call you yeah now we're talking about smart science if we need to awkwardly hit on someone in the staff we'll give you a call how about that yeah well that was matt's quote wasn't it actually it is ah fair enough wait a minute wait wait a minute let me get this straight we were cruising along at warp seven then we pick up a distress call and moved in to investigate 
But now you're saying that the other ship is actually just a reflection of us and that the distress call is actually just the captain's opening hail. But we picked up the distress call before she sent the hail. How could we have been seeing a reflection of something we hadn't even done yet? Am I making any sense here? No, but that's okay. <laughs> Which, I mean, <laughs> you know, he's supposed to be the dumb guy, yep. but he actually said the thing that made sense, but that, that that's fine. Well, is, is this happening? <laughs> yes, sweetie, also, you almost got it. Also, the, <laughs> the show is also, I, I am impressed not beating its chest about this, mm -hmm. but the fact that the two smartest people about science are women. Yeah. Good job. That's yeah. very cool. I didn't yeah, realize I that until you said it, but yeah. Yeah, I don't want them to shine a spotlight on it and say, look, see, but it, it is nice. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. nice to see something that women aren't traditionally represented in. They're the two smartest ones. Yeah. Yeah, so. really enjoying that. Yeah. And, and there was even like, you know, a point where they're just kind of like stuck. They don't know how to get out of this thing. And Janeway's like, Ugh, just give me the data. I'm going to go sit in my ready room for a while and look at it and figure yeah. this out. <laughs> that seems like her. If she's a scientist, yeah. sometimes that's the best way for a scientist to do something is let me just study this. For give, me the, give me the yeah. thing. I'll figure this out. God, you people are stupid. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't buy the hint book. I'll figure it out. Uh. <laughs> Let's Fucking see. strategy guides are a waste of money. You know, this shit's all online now, right? <laughs> Gamefacts.com. Jesus. <laughs> but they're out there. They're out there trying to pick which shuttle to go in. And it, it does feel a bit like a, okay, if we take the grain across, then we can't leave the chicken and the fox behind. <laughs> one, one of these ships is a liar and one of them only tells the truth. <laughs> and I like that Janeway's argument is, yeah, but that one's pointing its shuttle bay at us. So it's like presenting. <laughs> Come here and mount us. <laughs> hey, Janeway, this is my butt. Well, this is what we ha what happens when we let Tom Paris drive. And somebody's <laughs> oh, grabbing <no>. my butt. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I I agree. As Amanda said when we were watching it, uh, she said they're science bros. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, is, that is a concept I quite like. This is what we liked about uh, Tony Stark and Bruce Banner in the Avengers movies, and yeah. it's, it's the same here. Just two smart guys playing off each other. That's cool. Yeah. And I, agree. I and like... Um, actually, go ahead. I was just going to say, it's a little transparent that B'Elanna like, is kind of a hothead at the beginning mm -hmm. and has to learn how to become, you know, the, the chief engineer at the end, and someone, like, the captain learns her value. Like, that was mm -hmm. a bit by the numbers. Yeah. But, the, yeah. but I think that was saved by the acting, because mm -hmm. those two actually played it Really, they had good chemistry together. Yeah. There was a good moment in the conference room too, where uh, like the guy who was going to be the, the Starfleet head of engineering, he, he's, he gives some sort of idea. I can't remember what it was now, and she's like, "All right, I'll help, but it's not going to work." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But then no, she the nice gets thing is diplomatic to, about it. And... They have to tease that out of her. Actually, mm -hmm. yeah. She's like, "All right." No, they really got to work at that because everyone told her to shut up. Yeah, keep your opinions to yourself. Yeah. All right, and then finally, Chakotay, who knows her. It's like, wait, mm -hmm. what's up? No, nothing? No, what's up? Well, it's not going to work. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, 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 say, adding I'll a couple it, extra but, beats uh, to that made it even better, yeah. I think. Yeah. Anyway, Matt, what were you going to say? Oh, I like I like Balana a lot when she's not freaking out. Yeah, I don't like, and we talked about this already, <laughs> She making her season one Tasha Yar or season one Kira, just the, the, the angry chick with mm -hmm. the chip on her shoulder. Like, we've seen yep. this so many times. But yeah, once you get into something that makes her different. Yeah, like she's interesting. She spent all a caretaker. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, she spent all a caretaker just yelling at people. But yeah. like, 
she gets to do sort of more quiet stuff in this, and especially more in the next episode, too. And I like her a lot more then. Yeah. yeah. Well, you, usually I prefer seeing people do their jobs and seeing why they're well-suited to their jobs. Yeah, as opposed to just screaming at me. Right. <laughs> and the thing is, I, I've I've managed people, and you don't you don't yell at them. You don't punch them. That's that's not. You a do if you have a Klingon side, Al. <laughs> if it's your Klingon side is acting up. I guess that's true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What you never worked with Klingons? Come on now. No, I haven't. Actually. What are you a racist? <laughs> uh, no, but my workplaces were racist. They were <laughs> they were in charge of hiring. I was like um, middle. That makes sense. <laughs> what are you turning into a bird? Ah! <laughs> 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 Don't squeeze the canar out of me. <laughs> <laughs> and Bob, you had we a. Talk about uh, this? Did we talk about that on the show? Oh yes, we did. Okay, we definitely did. <laughs> Bob, you had a backup good thing too, as I as I see here. Well, yeah, because it was it was kind of close to Matt's. So my my other good thing was uh, that I I really like that the warp core is kind of back to this uh, Star Trek the motion picture era swirly light effects mm-hmm. instead of the uh, just the the blinking lights that were in the T- TNG warp core. Yeah, in the Enterprise, the lava lamp. Yeah, I liked I it. Don't... I liked it quite a bit. I don't yeah. love it, but you know, I don't think it's terrible. Yeah, I, I don't in know. general, I like the design of the ship. So, I mean, I think it, it, it may have been because, like, doing that episode during <laughs> that episode, that movie on on my podcast about VFX stuff, I kind of I learned how they made it, and it's like lights pointing at this drum with like crumpled up mylar and stuff, mm-hmm. and it and it rotates, and and the, the lights swirl around, and it's all a practical effect on set, but it mm-hmm. looks cool, kind of cool. What what's that podcast called again, Bob? <laughs> uh, it's called The Optical. Very How do you nice. get to that, Bob? Opticalpodcast.com. Excellent. <laughs> What's that name again? I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, I will say, like, overall, I still like the design of the ship. We're seeing more of it now. We see, we saw some, just some corridors and some different, like, I think the conference room and just, yeah. the more we see of the ship, I like the unique, but still similar, like, it still feels like same part of the same fleet that the Enterprise and the Defiant were in. Mm. Yeah, but but it's but kind it of back looks- to that, like almost a, a little bit of a retro feel to it. Almost like we're okay, we're going back to the Kirk era stuff, where like the captain goes down on our away missions all the time, and we're yeah, getting right. into the action. And I, I well, just like that feel of it. I think we've got an excuse for that by making the captain also the science officer. You know, we've yeah, got whenever her down it's a, doing things, whatever yeah. it's a sciency type thing, she'll want to go down. When it's yeah. diplomatic type stuff, she might not, but. That's when Picard would go down. Unfortunately, we don't have any really good diplomats that I've seen so far. Yeah. Most people in diplomatic situations are either going to yell at you or talk very quietly. Like Worf. Yes, Uh like Worf. Worf is my good thing about this episode. Uh, I had a weird, like... (laughs) I had a weird dream about about us recording this. It was like one of those mundane, everyday dreams. But I, I dreamt that Bob picked Worf as his good thing. It was actually for the second episode. Bob. But then I also dreamt that we didn't start watching the episodes till 10 o'clock. And we started at the normal 8. So uh, so that dream didn't happen. It wasn't prophetic then? No. Unfortunately, Ugh. no. Not 8 time. is way too early. I don't have magic Kess powers yet. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Notice I said yet. You do have a lovely brain, though, Al. Working on it. Appreciate that. Uh, so bad things. Uh, Bob, you go first. Uh, there was a lot of techno babble in this episode, and half of it made no sense at all to me. Like it, it's, it's a decions, and I don't remember hearing that word before. I've never heard Probably it has been, before. and I've just forgotten. But well, Matt like... had a good theory about what a deck. Oh, a deckion is a tachyon that you build a deck over. <laughs> <laughs> then you have a barbecue on it. And there, then two deckions together is a double deckion. Yeah, 
But then the Decion gets dirty, so you don't use it anymore. Right. Because it's easier to just leave it and not clean it. Mm. Yep. But they're also talking about warp particles, and I thought it's like, is Decions, is it the same thing as a warp particle? What are warp particles? Is, isn't is warp an energy field? Why would shooting, and why would shooting warp particles at the fissure, like the crack that they're trying to escape from the singularity, why, why would shooting warp particles at it make it open but their warp drive getting too close to it would make it close up again i I was just so confused not that it has to be real science but i just want it to be not confusing yeah (laughs) it's it's just a show you should really just (laughs) i i've noticed so far and i mean like this is only the first couple episodes but i've noticed voyager really likes its techno babble it's Mm. it's brandon braga that's one of his things yeah and because what he likes to do is first think of the effect think Mm -hmm. of what crazy thing is happening to the ship and then he sort of retrofits a scientific explanation for it there isn't one so yeah. he has to make one up yeah and that's that's the way he operates and there's a, like i said a quote from memory alpha in this very episode where he says yeah i don't know i figure out what i want and then i put in the science later it doesn't matter <laughs> like there's a way to do that and then at least make the science you know plausible Pla- well, even internally yeah. consistent like bob says yeah, yeah internally consistent would be fine where it's not just like and then this and then this and then this we have like a big list of technobabble that we've used over all the other star treks man just fucking throw that shit in i don't know i mean it's i i hate to say it and i hate to judge episodes i haven't seen yet but i feel like we need to just settle in and get used to it that that's how this show is going to operate just because that's how this writer operates mm. i guess and so. i feel like I, he's Kind of establishing a house style there, but we'll see. Maybe not. Yeah, I like I like the techno babble better in the next episode, which is maybe still not even internally consistent, but it felt like they signposted it better, and it, it was like it was clear to me as a viewer what was happening versus this one, where it was just like they were just shouting things, and it didn't seem to have any like real effect on the story. Mm. <laughs> the thing is, they've both felt the same to me. Like it mm. felt like. We have to, but both of them ended up being, we both have to, ju- we have to jump through this time hole. Yep. <laughs> and as long as the audience understands that the goal is that glowy thing there with the hole in the middle, yeah. it doesn't really, like, to them, it doesn't really matter what it is. It's just the audience understands the stakes are this and, and the goal is this and that's all, you know, like. Good enough. Yeah. And <laughs> the thing is, there are nerds watching this. Uh-huh. They they maybe want to, if not make actual sense of it, they want it to at least, like, make sense by way of their Star Trek, you know, guidebooks or whatever. Engineering. Yeah. What, what's the, the, the engineering book that they came up with? Oh, uh, Mr. Scott's Guide to the Enterprise type thing? No, there was that one, but then I thought there was another one. The technical manual. That could be, yeah. Hmm. No, because I thought there was one that wasn't specific to a show, but I I've might I've read all the that. technical manuals. <laughs> no, no, no. That's that's in a Russian accent. I've read all the technical manuals. There you go. <laughs> you know, technical manuals were invented in Russia. <laughs> you haven't uh, enjoyed the technical manuals until you've read them in the original Klingon. <laughs> well, I guess I haven't enjoyed them. If technical manual fits weary it. <laughs> I think I feel like a Klingon technical manual is hit it with a hammer, <laughs> then hit it with a hammer again. <laughs> Well, they do have that hammer-based technology on the clean chips. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Matt, what was your bad thing? So, like, when we start get, uh, there's a point in the episode where we start getting messages from old Voyager, future Voyager, whatever the fuck it is. Um, it's the basically it's the revelation that the little fuzzy ship that we see in the Singularity is actually Voyager. 
Dun, dun, um, dun. Yeah, which uh, we all, I come on, I show, well, I was going to say show of hands. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, show of hands. Who who saw that coming a mile away? I actually Me. did not realize until it happened. I, I did. But I did. Uh, as soon as I heard the crackly voices, that sounds kind of like Janeway. Mm. But mm-hmm. um, as soon as we get we get the message, this is Captain Catherine Janeway of the USS Voyager. We do you require assistance? Somebody fucking goes. That's the captain. What? <laughs> and then fucking Voyager appears on screen. Voyager, the ship that we are on, and mm-hmm. Paris points at it and goes, "That's Voyager." Yep. Guys, I'm not an idiot. I have eyes and ears that work. I don't need the descriptive video, and I don't need the descriptive somebody explaining to me what sounds are. <laughs> Just trust me. I know what's happening. You don't need to lay it out for me. Wait. I don't know this, and I can't believe I'm I'm assuming a position, like, by default of defending Brandon Braga, but that felt like a network note. That felt like, clarify this. People might not get what's going on. Yeah, out. I can see that. I don't I, know that. That's just total speculation. But I mean, like, I like that was just annoying. Fuck you. I like Matt's idea that there is, like, visual description of audio things happening. Yeah. Yeah. Like the uh, the guy down in the corner doing the uh, the sign language. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's going yeah. zoom with his or, hands. Or I would prefer holding up signs that just tell you what's happening. <laughs> also good. I mean, they could just have closed captioning, but that's not nearly. Nah, closed captioning. Actually, I've been watching these with closed captioning on. The closed captioning is weird. On on Netflix, right? Yeah. There's just huge chunks of dialogue cut out. That is weird. I've seen that huh. happen before occasionally, but like, I'll, it happens a lot on Voyager. See, in my experience on Netflix, the, the captions there are usually quite good. Mm-hmm. But uh, maybe it depends mm. on the show and what they're provided by the by the content yeah. providers. I don't know. Mm. Okay. There's a meeting where Neelix and, and Cass walk in like, hey, I didn't know there was a meeting. Well, this is for senior staff. And I'm just thinking, and Harry Kim. Yeah. <laughs> what? Like he's, an, he's a junior baby ensign. They said that in the pilot. Like, like he literally shows up. This is his first assignment out of the academy. Yeah, he's been in like he's been active duty Starfleet for like three weeks now. Mm-hmm. Maybe everybody else is enlisted officers, enlisted, uh, whatever the hell. No, because know we know how all the military works. <laughs> well, enlisted is not officers. And right. we haven't seen any of them yet. Enlisted and, officers. Yes. <laughs> yeah, say that to a military guy. See if you get, uh, <laughs> get blonded in the nose. <laughs> but no, because the rest of the guys are Chicote, who's an acting commander, and Balana, mm-hmm. who's an acting lieutenant, and uh, fake Doogie Hauser, who I think is also a lieutenant. Yeah. So, so I just, I don't understand, like, why is Kim this high up? No, and I'm fine. Like, I think he's a department head is the thing. But that's ah. not what they said. They said it was for senior staff. Mm-hmm. What is he, like, in charge of the ship's clarinets? Maybe he's he's king of all children. <laughs> oh, that makes sense. Like Wesley was on the Enterprise. <laughs> what do the children think, Kim? Why would I know that? I'm 25. <laughs> you're such Look, a... I'm young, you're, I'm you're young s- for an officer, but... <laughs> you're such a cute little kid. Go ahead and get a prize out of the prize drawer. <laughs> Janeway's got a claw machine in her ready room. <laughs> Try to get the bear. Maybe you'll get him this time. Oh, he's a he's a Weasley rascal. If you get the teeth, it comes with a little diagram that shows you how to brush them better. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and there's a point where Neelix. I keep reading Neelix's Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. This is my your brain. This is your new says, wharf instead of word thing. No, no, I still type it correctly, but when I read it back, my brain says capital N E, and there's an X at the end. Must be Netflix. Yep. Mm-hmm. I think it's, uh, I've got the little like little red underline in my document where it says Neelix, and if you right click on it, it says Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> See, what's weird is there isn't one. Like Google Docs knows 
most of the proper names from Star Trek, which is nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, there's a point where he like he's he keeps mansplaining things to Kess, and it's really irritating. And there's a look on her face where she just wants to hit him. Yeah. Like I know what a black <laughs> hole is, stupid. I, I continue to not understand if these two are dating or if Neelix just thinks that they're dating. We've seen no indication from her that they're dating. No, none. Mm. Other than the fact that they sort of spend time together and he's always putting her hands on or is putting his hands on her. Yep. And she doesn't really shy away, but she looks a little perplexed from time yeah, it's to time. Like, what is happening? Is this how people mm, act yeah. to each other? Yeah, I guess. I also, I like the idea of Neelix spending the rest of the series being the one who explains all the science craps, crap to us. <laughs> well, children... <laughs> A white hole is such and such. Would this in happen? today's story we saw? <laughs> it's like the it's like a like a five minute segment at the end of the episode, so that yeah. uh, so that the show can have some educational value. Oh, right. like in the Back to the Future cartoon. Yeah, exactly. Neelix comes out wearing like a um, a mortarboard and a and a black robe and teaches us something about space. <laughs> you know, I would have been okay with that. And Cass sits in a desk and asks questions. <laughs> the problem, the problem with that is that then they would have to use any kind of basic science that they could actually pawn off as educational mm-hmm. instead of just making shit up. Yep. Oh. <laughs> so in that, in those cases, he would then have to do a cooking segment. I think. <laughs> but, 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 but Professor Neelix, what about when this happened and then we went back in time? Yes. Well, the thing about that is, and then the episode ends. Yep. <laughs> Please don't sue us. We're just doing this. <laughs> All right, I think it's time to move forward to another episode where time no. skips back on itself. Time and again and again. And time. Again. Time. <laughs> Bob, if you would, tell us what happens in this episode, and please just do it once. All right. I need a sip of amber liquid. Stop. <clears throat> Stop stalling. <laughs> Let's get on with Isn't it. Isn't it a little early for amber liquid, Bob? Jeez. It's just iced tea. Geez. Oh, all right. I said teh. <laughs> the grew, the grew, the grew, <laughs> the crew of Voyager drawn by to a... be eaten by a grew. <laughs> no, it is very dark in the Delta Quadrant. <laughs> the crew of Voyager drive by a pre-warp civilization and, following the Prime Directive, leave them alone, getting on their merry way without ever stopping or affecting anything. The end. Yay! Uh, but no, as Janeway lectured us in the last episode, retro causality can fo- allow effect to f- precede cause, and the planet explodes, or at least all of the organic matter does, including corsets and people, but <laughs> leaving the buildings intact. In fact, the planet exploded so hard that it shattered time itself, and Janeway and Tom Paris get hit by a time iceberg like so much VW van full of Libyans hitting a photo hut. <laughs> Paris asks, asks the local pine tree breeder what time it is, and turns out they've gotten thrown all, all the way back to good old 2371. Wait, weren't we already in 2371? Well, yes, but this is several hours earlier, when this civilization wasn't doomed to be the plot of this episode. <laughs> Everyone is wearing outfits with jaunty earth tones and corsets, and screaming children roam the streets. Oh, God, the screaming. Mr. Paris, make the screaming stop. <laughs> Thankfully, everyone on this planet looks exactly like a human, with nary a bumpy nose nor prominent tattoo in sight, so Janeway and Paris fit right in. Our temporal adventurers immediately turn into the Hardy Boys in an effort to solve the mystery of what made the planet explode, so they can absolutely not affect it in any way whatsoever, why do you ask? (laughs) 
And they would have gotten away with it, too, if it weren't for that meddling kid who immediately rats them out to the anti-polaric energy terrorists who plan to sabotage the power plant by talking to it nicely? Wait, that won't make it explode. Where did they all go wrong? Meanwhile, in the future, Chakotay and his ragtag band of Maquis scientists <laughs> save the day by going to the fish under the sea dance and causing Janeway's dad to punch Biff so hard that it rips a hole back in time, hitting the hydrogen-filled dirigible that is this script, <laughs> ensuring that the planet did explode, will explode, and has always exploded forever. <laughs> Wait, so Bilana punching that guy in the previous episode, was he Biff? <laughs> Yes, I can see that. Yeah, well, so <laughs> and then they the gave... second time with Janeway in the in the, like off to the side, going yes, and then <laughs> Biff's he, less and... successful younger brother, and then yeah. they give him a job waxing Voyager. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but two... while they're at full warp, because they got to get home, they're not going to wait for that. Yeah, uh, two coats this time, Biff. Thanks. Yeah, <laughs> I was just starting on the second one, Mister McFly. Don't con me. <laughs> con. Don't bullshit a bullshitter. I wouldn't shit you. You're my favorite turd. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's a thing people say. Uh, so you liked this one, huh, Bob? Um, it was all right. Don't, don't look. Don't backpedal just because we disagree. <laughs> like, let's let's hear some some lively debate here. I enjoyed it more than the last one. I I thought there was uh, some some good adventure moments and some some intricate uh, dramatic you know mystery goings on even even if it didn't like really make sense it kind of it felt better in the moment like hey something's actually happening yeah you had mentioned that in the previous one where you thought that the techno babble stuff was presented a little a yeah little better here yeah exactly um just like the whole retro causality thing which doesn't really make any sense uh you know in in terms of like real physics and things but at least they explained it well and it mm -hmm. seemed like it was really, you know, it was signposted well throughout the episodes. Like, this is happening because this happened. And, you know, there was, I don't know. It made internal sense, I thought. That's fair. I, I don't agree, but that's fair. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just, again, it feels like there's a standard structure for a Star Trek episode. And this sure hit all the beats that you always hit. And just yeah. like, I don't know. It just, like, I I didn't see anything I'd never seen before. It felt like you could have done this story. That That's always the thing. If it feels like a story you could have done with Next Gen or with DS9, then I don't I don't really care. No, like, yeah. we've got all this new stuff we can play with. Why are we... There's nothing Delta quadrant or Voyager crew-focused that made it uniquely yeah, Voyager. Yeah, but, but Janeway got to have her little moment of, like, sneaking around. The, you know, <laughs> Matt was making Mission Impossible jokes, but it just eh, it kind eh, of it felt... It felt more fun. And I, I only have three episodes to work with here, and this was the funnest one so far. So I'm, I'm grading on a curve. Valedictorian of summer school. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, and feeding into that, I'll say my good thing. Janeway had some really strong command moments here. I mentioned in the pilot, oh, yeah. she doesn't have the gravitas, the presence that I feel like a captain should. And she's starting to get that here. Hopefully this is a trend mm -hmm. and we're, we'll see more of it. But mm -hmm. she had, a, she had a, a three moments that, that stand out to me. There's, uh, one where uh, she and Paris are blasted into the past and she's got to be really quick on her feet. And they say, where are you from? Whatever province. And she doesn't do that TV actor thing. Uh, yeah, that's where I'm from. She totally yeah. just. Yeah, that's where we're from. You've got to like get love it. They don't you, telegraph it like that. Yeah. No, no, she's got a she's got the total confidence of this is this. I'm doubling down on this lie and you're going to believe me because of my confidence. And it totally mm. she sells it. Um, 
there's another point where uh, they're they're down in the tunnels or whatever, and the the uh, she's she's got to stop these guys from doing a thing, and she's got to you know like like the the mom voice, like the the command, mm-hmm. like and I don't mean mom like pejoratively, I mean like when Cisco would get his dad voice, yeah. like yeah. now you stop it right now and you <laughs> listen to me. Like, Bob, you're a parent. You know, you got to turn that voice on sometimes. Like, no, stop. And I thought, oh, God, the moment Janeway has to do this, I am not going to take her seriously. And because her voice, we've said, is Mm -hmm. not really commanding. But I I, total credit where it's due. She she had a really good speak from the diaphragm. I'm I'm done with taking your shit voice. Yeah, Yeah, I am no longer fucking around. Yeah. Like, I think right now she's trying to play it a bit casual, but when it was time to say, you, drop the weapon, I don't remember what the context was, yeah. but it was something like, you drop the weapon or something. She mm-hmm. just totally like, wow, okay, she is totally in charge here. Mm-hmm. And I like that. And I cannot, I did not write down the third thing, and I don't know what it was, but oh, there were three things. Um, I really, I don't know if this is it or not, but I really like where they, uh, the terrorists mar- basically march them all to the uh, power plant. Oh, yeah, this was it. And oh, they're, yeah. they're, um... They're like, okay, what you're going to do is you're going to tell the staff that uh, you're a diplomat and you're here to check this out and whatever. Mm-hmm. And she walks up, and there's a fucking gun trained on a kid. She walks up to the ridiculous-looking guard, who I'll get to oh, in we'll a get minute, to that. <laughs> and goes, I am a hostage. This man is uh, this man is, hol- has, is holding yeah, yeah, a gun to me. That was another really awesome, like, captain, like, total brave, yeah. risking our lives and the life of this stranger child mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To, to do the right thing, like, Wow. Yeah, because at yeah. the moment, like, currently she thinks that the guys are going to do something to fuck up the, the planet. Yeah. And she's doing whatever she can to prevent that. And if that costs the lives of, say, some stupid security guards, her, and a horrible child, uh, so be it. Yeah. No, it's it's quite good. And again, three different types of scenarios. Thank you for remembering that. I should have <laughs> written it down. Um, like, completely different situations where she had to step up and do a captain-y thing. Mm-hmm. And she totally nailed all three of them. Yeah. And, like I say, I hope this is a trend. I want to take her seriously as a captain, and this went, you know, a little further yeah. to, to helping that. I'm going to say, sure. uh, so far, we've done three episodes. I'm liking Janeway more and more now. Yeah. I think it's no, finding but, yeah. that, that that scientist thing really helped. Well, and somebody, I, I think it was our friend Arissa, or her boyfriend, whose name I cannot remember, and I apologize, Arissa's boyfriend, uh, talking about how early on they were trying to find the balance between sort of captain mom mm-hmm. and like uh more of a scientist type and they hadn't quite found it in the pilot yet yeah <laughs> and i could see well i can see her wanting to play it sort of maternally but that's not the direction to go no no i was just thinking of captain mom as a sequel to mr mom where <laughs> <laughs> yeah but because they're not in the future he'd be like in the navy or something. yes yeah <laughs> it'd be a crossover with captain ron Ooh. yeah oh no but yeah, overall, like again, between the science stuff and the captainy stuff, she's definitely on on the right track. Yeah, now, and that's good. Mm-hmm. Um, Bob, what was your good thing? Uh, my good thing was that I really love Kess's purple jumper. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so in an episode, in an episode, you had a lot of good things to say about you picked somebody's <laughs> shirt. <laughs> well, that's I usually assume, our move when we can't find anything. I assumed you or Matt was going to take the good things, so I no, just no, never that assume that. Just jump on it, and then <laughs> the, and then it's and then finding a good a different good thing is someone else's problem. Yeah, first come, first serve. Yeah, I actually really do like it though. It was it was something that kind of it looked a bit alien without you know resorting to stupid skin tight lame or something. Mm-hmm. It was just glitter. I don't know. There was there's something. No, I, about I agree. She looked cute in it. 
I, it didn't stand out to me either way. Like, I didn't think it was bad, but it didn't, like, apparently made an impression on both of you. Yep. And yeah. I just, like, hmm, that's that's an outfit. It's just better than anything Neelix has worn so far. I'll give yeah, her that. That is definitely true. Very true. <laughs> and I, I will give them, I will give the costuming people credit. They are not dressing Neelix and Kess in the same thing every episode. Yeah. Yeah. Like they, they have that easy out with the Starfleet guys because they're in uniform, but these guys are civilians and they should have more than one set of clothes. Yeah, well, of Neelix, course, Neelix, Neelix discovered like, oh, this uh, replicator makes clothing? I'm going to make all new clothing all the time. Yeah. And yes, but you are not making a uniform because no. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, knock yourself out. I want, a ha- I want a handsome <laughs> uniform, Mr. Vulcan. I want to be, just, li- I wanna be just like you, my best friend. <laughs> Well, that's how you make friends with people. You walk up and say, you're my friend. Yep. That's what Tom Paris did this time to this kid. Yep. Hey, well, it, he worked, does... it worked in kindergarten and it works today. And it works with Harry Kim. Yep. <laughs> Old Who friend. may be in kindergarten, so. In kindergarten. He's my best friend. <laughs> well, you, yeah, you met him in an elevator once. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that makes him, not even Harry Kim, but Garrett Wong, the guy who plays him. Yeah. For, yep. Okay. Yep. We yep. we we were going to the uh, the uh, Trek convention here in Seattle, and we the one you were get... you were frozen out of, right? Yeah. Well, we weren't able to get tickets because they were all sold out, except oh. for like the multi hundred dollar VIP VIP tickets. But right. uh, and we were on our way out, and Harry Kim was like, "Oh, I gotta get in the elevator," or, wow. or Garrett Wang, I guess. I I don't know. <laughs> They're all the same. Apparently, apparently, it's spelled Wang, but it's pronounced Wong. Oh, I'm is it? Told. I'm sorry. I think I think I could be wrong about that, but I remember that from back in the day. Mm-hmm. It's for all I know, it could be Nana Visitor, and I've been saying Nana for for two years and saying it wrong. But well, like it's one of those things. Back in the day, I read on AOL once and assumed to be true. Yes. Apologies to Mister Wong, or possibly Wang. Yes. <laughs> to Wong Fu. <laughs> sorry, Garrett. <laughs> yeah, that, let's just call him Garrett. That'll be easier. Yeah. Now I'm picturing him as Mrs. Garrett from uh, The Facts of Life. Yep. He told us some sort of funny joke in the elevator, but I don't remember it at all. Mm. Mm. Uh, that's a good story, Bob. Isn't it? <laughs> he said, enjoy watching my show in a couple of years. <laughs> with, a, with a wry little grin because he yep. knows. Yep. They all know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Look, we get to go to the conventions, but we're not really Star Trek. Not really. <laughs> that's not true. Yeah, we don't even get to go to the conventions anymore. <laughs> Um, Matt, what was your bad th- or no good thing? Sorry, my good thing. Uh, good. I thought the destroyed planet looked pretty cool. Pretty cool. It being yeah. down to that uh, that ravaged planet. I also really liked the destroyed. Uh, the uh, looked like they went through a nuclear holocaust. Com badges that. Uh, um, oh yeah, there's a, there's a great little bit where Harry Kim finds their com badges and like, well, they're dead, and Tuvok just says. No, their com badges are dead. Keep looking. <laughs> I really wish he described them that way. No, those are dead com badges. We will have a funeral for them later. <laughs> They've learned a few things after the Starfleet director of funerals got to... Uh, exactly. Now Vulcans, are requ- to now Vulcans are required to have funerals constantly. Yeah. I like that it was the same building from the uh, the TNG episode where Wesley almost got executed because it reminded me about Wesley almost getting executed. <laughs> I will... Never forget, Wesley was almost a killed guy. <laughs> <laughs> I will say this, though. I am really sick of... It's only three episodes malls. in, and I'm really sick of Voyager visiting malls. Yeah. <laughs> this is, this is going to happen a lot. I, th- I, I mean, I'm guessing. I don't know. But it's the 90s, and that's what people think, like... 
like the the campuses of college of uh, community colleges and malls mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. are what they think the future is going to look like or alien planets or whatever and just no and at one point they at one point they they walk past what looks like the waiting area to go on a roller coaster where where do where where else would aliens get their uh, their clothing and their food supplements if not a mall that's an excellent question food supplements like uh <laughs> What are they called? Un- Damn it. Unextreme food supplements. No, what it God, Oh, if you're going if you're gonna go pick up a confection bar? Thank you, confection bar. Yes, that was my bad little, thing, actually. Little, oh, well, let's hear it. <laughs> I'm I'm kind of uh I'm fed up with like the you know, confection bar, amusement center, Rigelian goulash. I Vol- like I Vulcan like an amusement Eagles. center. <laughs> I like amusement center only because it feels very harsh and Cardassian and completely unamusing. Like yeah, in no, that particular case, it's those. V- it's very Cardassian to send your children to the the amusement center. Otherwise, I'm totally with you on this one. But amusement center is just one of those a planet full of bureaucrats trying to say no. Our children have fun. They go to the amusement center. <laughs> yes, you will go there right. and you will be amused. It's not exactly Disneyland. Fair enough. I, I do have a theory though that if that the the reason we keep getting like alien adjective earth thing yeah. as as like you know these alien things is that it's just it's like this kind of generic earth centric descriptions is because the universal translator is trying to translate weird alien idioms and defaulting to bad generic comparisons. And yeah, it's really that, sense. you know, we just need to file a bug report with those Starfleet software developers. I, you know what? I like that better than anything else. Yeah. I'll take, I'll, <laughs> yeah. I'll take that as canon. Good work. Yeah, because there is, there is a point where Neelix is talking about his cooking again and he says something, something goulash. Right. And I don't remember what it was. It wasn't Regulian because it was some Delta Quadrant thing, but it's basically yeah. the same thing. Like, yeah. Ugh, stop it. <laughs> yes. They, they invented a Hungarian dish. <laughs> 80,000 light years or whatever it is from from the planet where this one tiny country existed. Well, right. see what they did. sure knows what that is. Yep. What they did, though, was they all visited that array that is just full of earth crap. Oh, yeah. And that, <laughs> but that only teaches them corn. It's like, oh, the cor- only kind of food they have there is corn. Corn and goulash. They, you know how that works. They, they learned about it from the America shop at the mall. <laughs> right. Coke and blue jeans. <laughs> And goulash. I love your American blue jeans. <laughs> Please to be giving me your American blue this jeans. Will buy ma- this will buy many American CD compact discs. <laughs> compact CD discs. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. I, I'm pretty sure we've called that out before, but it definitely bears repeating, especially now that we're off in the supposedly super alien, super exotic Delta Quadrant. Like, mm. like I always thought, and okay, I get... I that you have to have human actors and all that. But I always thought it would be a great thing to have less humanoid aliens when you're so far from like, okay, we've now explained that this ancient race seeded most of the galaxy, Mm -hmm. but maybe out on the fringes of the clear opposite side of the galaxy, maybe didn't get seeded. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we, we did see one non uh, human alien, that jello salad from the pilot. This is true. The, the Metroid is Matt called. Yeah. (laughs) Oh yeah. I just called him a horrible looking CG blob. (laughs) But the thing is, it's this planet in this episode completely reversed any any uh, any progress there because it, they don't even have bumps. No, they they're just, as you they're just out, human. Bob, nope. Nothing. No tattoo is nothing. And humans who are baffled by anyone who wears a different outfit than the stupid outfit they all wear. Yeah, they were super shocked by people not wearing that black one and red. Shirt. What is this? There's a shot where oh. um, <laughs> Janeway and Paris they pawn their clothes to get like more. 
regular looking clothes and they're not in they're not in the store for five seconds before they slap Janeway's uniform on a mannequin in the front window and a crowd has gathered around to stare at it <laughs> what is that you can make clothes that are yellow, that are red and black two colors what? oh no what? there's purple underneath too there's three colors where, where do we get this color from this is amazing all we have is these terrible like poop greens and browns and Reds. They they look like they should be tie-dyed, and my brain keeps wanting to think they're tie-dyed, but they're not. <laughs> they're, they're weird just, they're... stripes of color. They're yeah, almost... but they're tie-dye colors. Like yeah. They're that, that, the same tones that you would use mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that make me think that they are, but they're not. Mm. It it just it was particularly terrible, and, and that brings us to the security guards. Oh, God. How to describe... Okay, first of all, your standard person on this planet wears a... What looks like a tie-dyed t-shirt, but it's, isn't. It's almost mm-hmm. like if someone took a tie-dyed shirt and then organized the colors. Right. <laughs> and and um, a, a corset over that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then a skirt, but mm-hmm. also like leggings so that there's no bare legs. Yeah. Right. And and this is a unisex outfit that everyone wears. Everybody wears mm-hmm. it. And literally everyone is dressed in some combination of these colors. Mm-hmm. Like there's no, like, um, there's no variation except these security guards. Who look like like a fat guy trying to cosplay as an action figure. <laughs> they reminded me a bit of, was it in Wrath of Khan or maybe Search for Spock where we saw the, uh, very briefly saw the security officer. I think it was Search for Spock because they, they went into Spock's quarters, which were supposed to be sealed because he was dead. And they mm-hmm. had the stupid like leather football helmet on. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. That and the ridiculous right. outfit of just like, oh, that's a security guy, huh? Uh-huh. Rockney. Yeah, <laughs> to win it for the Gipper. No, they have like <laughs> like it's a weird brown jumpsuit thing, and then it has like a like it looks like a badge right in the middle of the chest, so that if you punched them in the chest, it would flip around to show battle damage. Right <laughs> there were there was yeah the little insignia on the badge kind of looked like a fireball from uh, Super Mario. I thought. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or it, no, it's a picture of their planet, which is about to go up in a fire. <laughs> <laughs> Also, they're wearing like a, some kind of weird leather, like a uh, uh, head casing, which looks like it provides no protection. It looks whatsoever. like it looks like it's, a uh, 1930s football helmet. Right. It's exactly. ear blinders. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we don't need to hear things. We just need to hit things. And that's that's what what uh, finished the outfit off mm-hmm. was these these silver, like very reflective silver uh, nightsticks. Mm mm-hmm. mm-hmm. That are very small because he's trying to he he holds it sort of horizontally to to hold the crowd back, but it's just the width of one person. So <laughs> yeah. that doesn't really do it, anything more than your hands could do. The idea of it's really holding people not, back with a stick is that it's wide enough to hold more than one person back mm-hmm. at a time. You know, it's not what you'd call you know useful. No, I think they don't understand how nightsticks work. No. I guess. Well, I mean, they know how to beat people on the head. Oh no, they did that very well. They also had normal <laughs> bullet shooting guns, which mm. I actually liked. I like that not everyone has, you know, laser guns. Yeah. Yeah. But No, they haven't they haven't reached the point in their civilization where they have laser guns. They just have bullet guns. Right. Which is good. Yeah. Let's shoot him with a bullet shooting gun. <laughs> is is laser guns are like a kind of goes along with warp technology? Do only warp civilizations have laser guns? Because no, we have the technology to make laser guns now. We just, they're just not in wide use, but we don't do we, have the do technology. Do we have the to technology to make laser guns now? Well, I mean, we have we can shoot like lasers that destroy things. So I don't I know. If, well, all right. Like the Navy has a, a I guess a I meant mounted death ray. I guess I meant like you know cool looking phasers and not just you know right lasers nah. that you can't see. But nah. no, no. My point is, my point is, we have the technology now. Yeah. But we don't have the you know 
we're not using it, but we don't have anything close to warp technology mm. yet. Mm. I'm building a death ray for peaceful purposes. No, <laughs> they're building it for war purposes. <laughs> Something I did read about that. This is true. The U.S. Navy and I'm sure probably other major nations, maybe the Chinese or whatever, I don't know, have like an actual laser based weapon. And they had to add a Star Wars like sound effect to it so people would know it was being fired because it didn't make any noise. <laughs> <laughs> so someone pew. artificially adds a pew pew sound, pew. To it, <laughs> which I think is fantastic. Uh, I, Matt, I, what was your bad thing about this? Episode? Oh, fuck this fucking kid. Oh, <laughs> this fucking... Okay, so, Bob, as this episode's defender, defend that kid. No. <laughs> okay. Oh, God. From the, second, from the second Janeway and Paris arrive on the planet, this fucking kid sees them appear and just starts screaming. <laughs> yeah, like Rom. Yeah. And fucking, from that point on, he's the most annoying thing in this entire episode. He keeps trying to, like, go all boy detective on them. Well, he's a journalist because his dad is like the Rupert Murdoch of this planet. Yes, and so he's a he's a kid journalist, and he's hot on the trail. And he's, he's a newsie. Yeah. I'm wa I'm watching you. I know you didn't come on that thing from wherever province. You fucking appeared out of nowhere. You're demons. Well, wow, what a mouthful, kid. Big, that's my big problem with him. Is Okay, he's super precocious, and he's, like, making inquiries, mm -hmm. like, going back to the train that they allegedly arrived on and asking the conductor who, how many people came in and what did they look like. Uh -huh. I, okay, so that's, I don't like that, but that is a character type. That's an established, precocious kid. Yep, who, boy detective. You know, doing grown-up stuff, that's fine. But mm -hmm. then, Tom Paris at one point says, yes, we are demons, boogity boogity, and the kid runs away like they're actually demons. A demon! <laughs> so, is he a really together kid or is he stupid like which is it you can be a really together detective who still believes in demons yeah why not both uh, because we're dealing in such broad strokes here i don't think the character would be that nuanced <laughs> he's got a lot he's, going uh, on constantine oh please don't constantine, <laughs> constantine would not run away screaming if someone said i'm a demon boogity boogity <laughs> I haven't read a lot of Constantine, but I know that about that character. I have, and I can say, pr I can pretty much confirm that no. <laughs> also, I, it's supposed to be pronounced Constantine, but nobody says that except Alan Moore. Yeah. Oh, sorry. He's very angry about it. He wants you to take his name off of it. Sorry, Alan Moore. <laughs> oh, he doesn't listen to this show. <laughs> he loves this show, man. What are you kidding? Oh, I love the post you told me called. There's two things I know about Alan Moore. <laughs> he loves this show and South Park. <laughs> and also that he has an old truck that he likes to work on. <laughs> I mean, he did. This cave. <laughs> he did, but they made it into a movie. Uh, no, no, this kid is the worst. He's and, terrible. He's a terrible kid. Yeah, and he drives the whole plot. Yep. Like, it's it's not good. Uh, there, mm. There's a point where the terrorists, uh, one of them who I thought looked like French Stewart pulled a gun on him, and I'm just like, yes, please, please, No, no, please. no, no. French Stewart, who finally figured out how to stop squinting. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking the terrorists! The terrorists are French Stewart and Leland Palmer. Mm -hmm. No, no, low rent Leland Palmer. Low rent Leland Palmer. That's tough. <laughs> yeah, the th the thing is, Ray Wise was great in Twin Peaks, but he's still very much a TV actor mm -hmm. to me. And they got his like his like non union equivalent. <laughs> Not great. He's actually been in Star Trek. Before. Yes, he has. Yeah, I know he has <laughs> several man. times, as I recall. No, just the once, I think. Was it really only the once? I could have sworn he'd been in a few times. When he's when he's worshipping the Picard. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which he was actually quite good at. Hi, Laura. Uh, yep. Mary's dotes and dozy dotes and little lambs and <laughs> <dozy. laughs> But yeah, that kid just is not good. 
No, Not. he's terrible. I wish someone had fed him into a wood chipper. Yeah, that would have been nice. I remembered him getting shot because that made me happy, but then it turns he, out that Tom Paris, his best friend, yeah, no. jumped in front of the bullet. Yeah, he saved that kid so that that kid might live for another eight yeah. seconds. But, okay, so really this kind of feeds into my bad thing. None of that happened because none of it happened. Oh, I hate when I this hate stories where happen. nothing happened in the first place. Not that the conflict was remotely compelling, I personally thought. Uh, but apparently that's open for debate. That's cool. But even if it was great, even if it was interesting, it didn't happen. None of this stuff, like nobody learned anything. Nobody like it just it. it's like and I don't care if it's a good story. I didn't particularly find it to be a good story, but there's only one time I think that's ever worked for me. And that was um, the DS9 episode where Jake watches his dad die. And then yeah, the doesn't. visitor. Yeah, that's oh, the yeah. only time I can think of where time travel and it didn't happen actually work next gen tried it a bunch and it failed i think ds9 tried it a couple other times and it failed yep like it's not ds9 is great and can do no wrong mm. no it's just this kind of story is hard to make count when nobody remembers what happens and it just it we just spent 45 minutes running in place you yeah. know At, what really, well, it, sorry go ahead it, it wouldn't it wouldn't have uh happened in the first place because there was no way for it to happen without it happening well that's another thing place. it doesn't make any sense that it didn't happen <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> It always will have happened forever. Except Cass, who now has magic mind powers for some reason, remembers. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know. I, I kind of like that she remembered. Um, remember. Just that. I don't know. I don't know why. <laughs> I, well, I retract the statement. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I do that all the time. Don't feel bad about that. I feel this way. Wait, no, I don't. <laughs> why did I say that? <laughs> The thing no. that the thing that really bugged me about the repeating stuff is that we have to watch like five episodes or five minutes of the episode again at the end of the episode. And it wasn't a great scene to begin it with. It wasn't. It was oh about my goodness. fucking uh Harry Paris Kim really doesn't want to go date the Delaney sisters. Oh my god. So yeah, Tom Paris Okay. <laughs> so he says, We're gonna be out here seventy five years. We better start pairing up. What? We're going to be out here 75 years. I better alienate every woman on the ship while I still can. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then Harry says, I got a girl back home. And, pa and Paris says, I got five. Ugh. Shut up. Just shut up. Stop talking. I bet he's a virgin. Uh, I bet he is, I too. I really want that to be. I really want that to be the reveal at the end of the series. Is I've never had sex. <laughs> yeah, that would be great. But and he literally wants to go date a pair of sisters. And it has to be a double date. And it mm -hmm. has to be like Harry has to come with him. And. That is, like, how much more, uh, as Matt said, how much more Fonzie can you get? <laughs> right? Like, hey, on, we gotta Cunningham. date those Delaney sisters. Yeah. Oh, I'm turning into Andrew Dice Clay over here. No, that's not it. That's, that, you, you're doing it wrong. Matt doesn't know what Fonzie sounds like. Oh! Hey, Mr. Keaton. <laughs> no, that's Nick. <laughs> no, this is Nick. Wait a minute. <laughs> Wait, so Nick's on first, Fonzie's on second, <laughs> Andrew Dice Clay is on third. <laughs> Where's the shark in all this? <laughs> How long does it take to get to San Francisco on this train? And which, <laughs> which, which Voyager is correct? <laughs> yes, practice. No, I just, I, going back to, you know, we have to watch this scene, which is not great to begin with, mm -hmm. twice. Mm -hmm. And we don't, like, Next Gen did this in the Enterprise Explodes episode. They at least would shoot it from a different character's perspective or do a, a different set of shots or, you know, something. Yeah, we brought... It just felt we, like we were watching the same scene again. Yeah. yeah. It's not like we're we're shooting it from where Janeway would be looking at everything this time and the next time we're from Neelix's POV or something. Yeah. No, it's the same both times. 
And it's just, it's not a good scene. It's like, so. oh, we're five minutes over. Just show them the beginning again, I guess. Time loops. <laughs> and I, I said this in the pilot. I think it about both of these episodes. I just feel like the writers are thinking, this is going to blow their minds. <laughs> and like, no, we've seen this a hundred times already. Nobody's mind is blown. That's that's really my complaint so far about Voyager. And we're only three episodes in and who knows, things might change. But right now, I'm not seeing very much of anything I haven't seen I, before. Some of the characters have some promise, but mm-hmm. plot-wise. I don't think they're thinking that at all, honestly. I think the writers are kind of treading water until they figure out what the characters are good for. <laughs> but the characters aren't really the problem for the most part. There's Paris annoys me, but otherwise, they're all okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, It's just I don't want to see new characters in the same situations. The whole point of the premise is that they're on the other side of the galaxy and different stuff should be happening to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's not just, I want to see a next-gen story, but I want to see how Janeway handles it. Uh, no. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that. I just think they're... I, I still think they're treading water. It's like, we haven't figured out what's, you know, what's good in this, you know, situation, yeah, and, you know... I, I agree. I think that's what they are doing, but I don't think that's a good way to make a television mm. show. No, I don't... I don't. You have to have a strong idea I... for a show and then make it, not just, ah, we'll figure it out as we go. That's that's how I make podcasts, because I'm not expecting anyone to pay for them. <laughs> that's but not how you make a network television show. That's how they actually went into this, though, was just like, okay, yeah, well, I... we need something to pick up after Next Gen is ending, so We let's can't do just have thing. people watch DS9. We gotta have two. Yeah. Yeah, I know. No, you're right, but it just... <laughs> Learning as you go, and oh, it'll be good by season three. Like, that's... No. (laughs) No, 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 no. Unacceptable. Do it better. Yep. All right. Bob, you got a quote for us? Uh, Yeah. Kess goes down to uh, talk to the doctor about her, uh, you know, funky uh, brain stuff, Mm. and uh, the doctor gives her some good advice. But you haven't told us anything about her condition. She's the healthiest member of her species I've ever seen. The only member of her species I've ever seen. You have a lovely brain. It will make a fine addition to our files. I wouldn't worry. If your species has a history of extraordinary mental abilities, this may simply be your way of flexing those muscles for the first time. Living in space requires the body to make a variety of biological adjustments. This could be a side effect of that process. Go home, get a good night's sleep, and drink plenty of fluids. Fluids. Everybody should drink plenty of fluids. Don't leave without turning me off. Computer and program. And call me in the morning. I actually liked that one as comedy, but two as a practical thing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, my database wouldn't have you. We don't know what you are. Just drink fluids. It's probably not a bad idea. Yeah, please, please do. Yeah, you appear to be a a bipedal humanoid, so probably you need fluids Mm -hmm. because that's something we all need. Hydration is important. Yeah, it is. No yep. doubt. Mm-hmm. Advice you can give to any species. Yeah. Uh-huh. Unless they're any... made of water. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess then it would be even more important, actually. Yeah. yeah. Unless they're made of, like, um, uh, those little desiccant crystals. Yes, there you go. The, the desiccant people of desiccant Solians too. should not drink more fluids. <laughs> well, no, they're spiders, apparently. Mm. Mm. There there was one tiny thing down on the on the planet that I wanted to comment on. It's like yeah. when they're, uh, you know, trying to, it's a climactic thing at the end. They're trying to, like, pierce through time to get Janeway somehow. Mm-hmm. But the, the, their plan to widen the fracture, I kind of like that they're not really sure what they're doing. That this isn't the Enterprise or Starfleet's best and brightest. <laughs> they're oh, kind yeah. of, like, stumbling their way through. 
I, that's was, not that's a good observation yeah. i would like if they played that up a little more mm-hmm, like yeah. i don't know we're doing the best we can but we're not you know we are neither starfleet's best class. nor brightest no they might not be the worst <laughs> but i mean they know. get they get voyager which is supposed to be a very nice new ship for exploring yeah mm-hmm. right but not yeah you're, you're absolutely right they're not all top of their class at starfleet because mm-hmm. those guys go to the enterprise yep yeah <laughs> so yeah good point um i do like there's a bit where we're well first of all these are the particles that are destroying the planet. And uh, Bellano just turns on a device in engineering yep. that tears a tiny hole there. Like, what do you do? Those are, da- you just said this blew up a planet. Why are you turning this on in engine, like right next to the warp core? It's fine. Well, maybe, Don't worry about it. My Klingon half says it's what to do. <laughs> maybe it's just like her science project. So it's just kind of, you know, instead of real lava, it's just uh, baking soda and vinegar. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. Oh, you should taste uh, Neelix's... Uh, <laughs> Cardassian uh, <laughs> lava cake. Yeah, lava cake. Thank you. <laughs> but then when they're on the planet, they open up the little time hole for Janeway to jump back through. And she's yeah. like, oh, shit, no. And she pulls out her phaser and shoots back at it. I don't know. There's there's this weird sort of tug of war where they don't like Bellana doesn't realize why it's closing. She's like, well, we'll turn up the thing. Like, make it make it more. <laughs> Janeway's like, no, I told you no. Stop it. I don't yep. know if it was intentional comedy, but it wasn't bad. It was just kind of yeah. funny. Like, stop, stop trying to save me. <laughs> You're making it worse. Stop yeah. helping. Yeah. And there's no dialogue to that effect. It just, that's kind of how I read the scene and I thought it yeah. was funny. <laughs> All right. Any, any final other things, Matt? I think that's it. Bob? Nope. Very well. Well, you plugged your thing, but by all means, plug again. I do a podcast about visual effects in film called The Optical, and you can get to it at opticalpodcast.com. And hopefully by the time you listen to this, I might have. uh, Nope, I won't have a new episode, but soon. (laughs) Very well. Uh, So as as you heard last week, our live show went quite well. We are looking into the possibility of doing additional live shows. Uh, Woo! Uh, no, no firm dates have been set just yet, but yeah. the venue is open to us doing more. Uh, if we can get Matt up here, that's pretty much it. Like he lives kind of far away, but that, but not as far much. away as I used to. There's no longer well, a, there's no longer a border in the way. You're almost exactly the same distance mile wise, but yeah, there's no international border <laughs> to worry about. So that well, fucking figures. Yeah. <laughs> you're no closer. It's still easier. It, I will tell you, man, going up last week, it was such a relief to not have to go through the border. No, you just drive <laughs> for three hours and then you're here. Yeah, it was nice. That's, yeah, it's nice. Welcome to America. Yep. Um. Although we, we went on vacation down the Oregon coast and we crossed the California border and there is a border crossing there. Really? What? Where they? Yeah, because they want to make sure you don't have any fruit or vegetables. They're very serious about like bringing in outside fruit or vegetables into their state. No kidding. Really? Wow. Yeah. Uh, all they all they do is stop you and ask. Like mm-hmm. there's no like they don't search your car or anything. <laughs> you know. It was still strange. I had to stop going into California. Uh in any case, we are looking at doing more. Um we're thinking I don't know every couple of months, every 6 weeks, something like that. Yeah. We we haven't quite settled in on it just yet, but it is coming up. So if you are Seattle or Seattle adjacent uh, and you were there and you enjoyed it, uh, let us know that you would go again. Yes. Or if, if you missed it and you'd like to go another time, let us know. Like, I want to I want to gauge what the listener interest is in, yeah. in this before we kind of jump into it. And I don't want to say, you know, OK, this was one special event. We call it, you know, first Voyager episode, fifth anniversary. Maybe as many people wouldn't go next time. I just kind of want to see if you guys are into it. Yeah, we would totally be into it. I would go again. Well, you live within walking distance of the venue. And you're part of the crew. <laughs> 
And you are part of the crew, yes. Um, but yeah, so that's it. Uh, if you want to write to us, it is postatomichorror at gmail. Website is postatomichorror.com. And we will be back next week with two more episodes of Voyager. I believe one is called The Cloud. Oh, God. Clouds. Say your thing, Matt. <laughs> See you, folks. <laughs> The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2015. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this...